This course is brought to you by the Fantastic Lecture Series, bringing college-level education to base-level people since 1998. The following lecture series is entitled Basics in Western Philosophy. The lecturer is Professor Catherine Green. Professor Catherine Green was born in Aberdeen, Scotland in 1979. She developed a keen interest in philosophy from an extremely young age. As this short extract from her seminal 1997 biography, Cogito Ergo Sum Catherine, demonstrates. My mother tells me that my first word, spoken at a mere ten months by the way, was why and not in response to a refusal for, say, a barley rusk. No, this profound utterance came seemingly out of nowhere. At not even a year old, I was primed and ready to start questioning everything. Why did I need to go to bed? Why can't dogs eat chocolate? Why do I need to talk to a child psychologist? If you enjoy this lecture series, you can find many more like it on our website, www.facebook.com forward slash The Fantastic Lectures. Basics of Western Philosophy, Lecture 2, The Intriguing World of Socrates. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second lecture in this course on the basics of Western philosophy. My name is Professor Catherine Green. Now we're going to be looking today at a man who is credited with being the very first moral philosopher, a man who always did what he thought was right, a man whose ethical integrity is the very backbone on which modern philosophy stands, a man who enjoyed engaging in pederasty with young boys. So get ready to dot the I's and cross the Socrates as we enter the intriguing world of Socrates. Yes, hello, yes, do, do come in. You're, you're a wee bit late, but it's okay, have, have your seat. Sorry guys, ignore that sound. That was just one of my students walking into my lecture late, even though I explicitly sent out not just one, but two emails yesterday and the day before, reminding everyone that these lectures are actually being recorded for the fantastic lecture series and that you are all to arrive on time to try and avoid ruining the integrity of the recording. Alas, it's done now, don't worry, come in, there's no, 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 no point in crying over spilt milk, is there? Come along, take your seat. Right, where, where were we? Where were we? Oh, oh right, Socrates. Now, now, if you visit the Louvre in Paris, as my husband and I have done many times before, You'll see a stone bust of Socrates. Now, the first thing you'll notice about the man, if you're lucky enough to ever go to Paris, is how dreadfully ugly he is. He's got eyes like piss holes in the snow and a chubby sort of little dog face. Now, don't even get me started on that bald patch either. I'll, I'll never understand men who don't just shave it all off when they start to go bald. It's like have some dignity, a bit of self-respect, you know. 450 years BC is, is hardly an excuse, is it? And our dear Socrates, 
God bless his soul, he really completes the I just crawled out from an olive bush look with an unkept sort of dirty beard. Which, you know, it might be a saving grace now that I think about it, because at least it covers a third of his face, which is no doubt just as grotesque as the parts on show. However, in Socrates' ugliness lies a beautiful dichotomy. See, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? It's relative. Well, within reason, of course. Socrates was an incredibly ugly man. We're not, we're, we're, we're not debating that. However, he was also very intelligent. See? So, it, so, so what, I'm trying, what I'm trying to say is that don't judge a book by its cover because you, 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 never, you never know when it comes to these things. You, you never know what's on the inside. You understand. Well, it's a, it's a bit like my husband Ainsley, I suppose. Don't, don't get me wrong, he, he's no John Merrick or anything like that, but, you know, he's, you know, he's no elephant man, but he's, he's never been asked to model for GQ either. But what, what I'm trying to say is it wasn't his looks that attracted me to him. He had other qualities. For instance, he's a fantastic dancer, and I think you all know what I mean by that, don't you? Quite the mover, if you catch my drift. I'm sorry, is something amusing back there, at the back? Are, are you okay? I can hear you chatting away back there. Can I kindly ask you please to keep a lid on it? Can I remind you that these lectures are being recorded for the fantastic lecture series and I'm being paid to, to deliver them. So if you could please just, you know, hush a wee bit. Thank you. Well, where were we? Socrates, of course, Socrates. What did Socrates actually believe? Well, we don't technically exactly know what Socrates himself actually believed because he could never be bothered to write any of it down. He was most probably too busy gallivanting around with young boys to have much time for writing. So instead, a man named Plato documented everything he thought. Plato was sort of like an extremely primitive dictaphone, except instead of batteries, he was powered by unwavering admiration. Sort of like Western civilization's very first groupie, except obviously Socrates wouldn't have had too much interest in a groupie like Plato, being that Plato was much too old for him. See, Socrates would say something or other and Plato would be there to write it down. Now, there's a lot of disagreement about how much of Socrates' ideas were actually his and how many were actually Plato's. It's sort of like a big, confusing game of Chinese whispers. Or rather, Grecian whispers. Oh, you can't say Chinese I'm, whispers. I'm not actually taking questions during this particular lecture. If you could please try not to shout out during my lecture. You can't say please. Chinese whispers. Chinese whispers is a really offensive term. Right, right. Okay, listen, I can't hear you all the way at the back there. Why? If you've got a query and it's that important, why don't you just whisper it to the row in front of you and then they can whisper it to the row in front of them and then it will get down to me and I'll try to answer your question rather than disrupting the whole lecture. No, it's, it's fine. You, you do that. We'll wait for a moment. And then I'll answer your question. Okay, go, go ahead. 
Whispered it down. Come on, pass the message along. Chinese whispers is a really offensive term. Uh, a cream whiskers and uh, an offensive perm. What on earth is that supposed to mean? If you're going to make silly outbursts like that in my lecture, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Go on. Go. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. It's all going off today. Now, where were we? Socrates, right, Socrates. So one of the most important things that Socrates came up with was the dialectic method or the Socratic method, if you prefer. Basically, what that was, was it was a process of breaking a problem down into lots of smaller, more manageable questions and then by answering those you supposedly get closer to figuring out your initial issue. Now I know that doesn't sound like much, you're probably thinking big deal, I do that every day, that's that's obvious. But remember this was ancient Greece, they hadn't even figured out that being in love with young boys was wrong yet. So this was a pretty big deal. In fact, the Socratic method is revolutionary because it contains within it the basis for modern legal defences within the legal system. Socrates was very much the modern world's first lawyer, which is relevant because, funnily enough, Socrates ended up in court himself. He, he actually defended himself in court. And spoiler warning, he did not win. Um, he actually ended up with the death penalty. See, sometimes being the first at something isn't always the best thing to be. See, he probably should have given the whole lawyering thing a few more tries before jumping right in at the deep end, but that was Socrates, ever the arrogant so-and-so. But I, I know what you're probably thinking now, you're thinking, well, why was Socrates on trial? What did he do? Well, well you'd think it was because of all that boy-loving, wouldn't you? But no, actually it was a much more vague charge of corrupting the youth. That's right, Socrates was very much the Grand Theft Auto of his day, or perhaps a, a Grecian Marilyn Manson, if you like. If you saw him in HMV today, he'd most probably have a parental advisory sticker on his toga. That's just some more philosopher humour for you there. You don't have to, again, you don't have to put it in your textbook. It's just, just a joke, just a wee joke there. Another reason that Socrates found himself in the docks was because the one thing he enjoyed even more than young boys was irritating his fellow Athenians. One of Socrates' most well-known contributions to philosophical thought was that he believed that no man is more foolish than he who believes he's intelligent. So Socrates made it his civic duty to go around telling everyone how stupid they were. And he'd top it all off by telling them that he was the only actual smart one because he actually knew that he was stupid. Well, it turns out the folks of ancient Greece didn't much like being called stupid or being confused by such an irritating paradox. Anyway, long story short, Socrates was sentenced to death by drinking poison hemlock, whatever that is. But before he did that, Socrates was given a few opportunities to escape his fate, which he ardently refused to do, as documented in Plato's Pedo, a fitting name for a conclusion on Socrates, may I add. 
His friends offered to bust him out and take him into hiding, but Socrates believed that he had entered a sort of social contract with the state and he'd be a dishonourable man if he were to escape his ordained fate. In other words, Socrates was a stubborn old fool who liked to annoy people right to the end. And for this, we should respect Socrates. He lived life the way he wanted to live it, and he never let society dictate his morality. He was a much-loved man by his wife Xantippe, his followers, and his boy lovers alike. Socrates was an inspiration to all of us. Thank you. If you enjoyed this lecture series, you can find more like it on our Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash The Fantastic Lectures. You can buy Professor Catherine Green's new book, Xantippe Takes the Cake, A Woman Scorned by Jealousy for a Husband's Boy Lovers, at all good bookstores now.